Let's review a little bit from last week. We do not all have the gifts of an evangelist. This is a biblical fact. I know some might try to tell you otherwise. I might even have tried to tell you otherwise in the past, but not all are evangelists. We see in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 and 12, that the Bible tells us that Christ himself gave the apostles, he gave the prophets, he gave the evangelists, he gave the pastors and teachers, he gave them to the church to equip his people for works of service so that the church, the body of Christ, may be built up. There are people that have the gifts of the apostles, there are people that have the gifts of the prophets, the gifts of the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers, but there are also people that don't have these gifts, but they are still to be equipped for to do works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. Today we want to begin that process of, of building up the body of Christ. Today we want to talk about some ways in which we can be equipped to, to, to be built up as a body, and we can see how easy it is for us to be a part of God's work. Corinthians, the book of Corinthians, or Colossians, sorry, the book of Colossians. Let's go there. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. Remember, just after Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Go eat pizza, chad, or popcorn. Sabbath evening meal every single week. Fruit and what? Popcorn. No one else does that? Is that only a West Coast thing? Man, it must be a West Coast thing. Fruit and popcorn is our Sabbath evening meal. So we could say go eat popcorn, Chad. But Galatians, Ephesians, Colossians, chapter 4, verses 2 through 6. The Bible tells us, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And Paul then says, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly, Paul says, as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversations be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know, so that you may know how to answer everyone. While not everyone has the gifts of an evangelist, thus not everyone has to be an evangelist, we can all live lives that provoke others to ask questions about what we believe and why we believe it. We can all live lives that we could say are, are questionable lives because they are different from the world. Not everyone is an evangelist, but everyone can live their lives in such a way as to provoke evangelistic questions in those around us, to lead to evangelistic conversations. I want to illustrate this to you today, that each one of us plays a role in the evangelistic process, even if we are not evangelists. Before I do that, though, I want to uh, publicly thank my friend, Pastor Sean Brace, who is a pastor up in the northeast. He's a, a pastor in Bangor, Maine, because he is the one that was really been pressing on me some of these concepts that I'm sharing with you. And over the course of my hiatus, when I was uh, in surgery recovering, he is the one that shared with me two books he wanted me really to read that convicted me to speak more directly to these ideas that I'll be sharing with you. And of course, I'm indebted to the authors of those books, Michael Frost and Jeff Vanderstelt. And then in accompanying with that, the book uh, Christian Service by Ellen White. As you read that in, in connection with some of the ways I've been thinking, it, it adds a whole nother dimension to it. So I thank those individuals. But I want to say this about, about uh, us as individuals. 
The reason so many of us, the reason many of us do not see the great impact we can have on the world, we think, man, I don't have the gifts, I don't have the skills, I don't have the talents, that might be actually true. You might not have those gifts, skills, and skills as an evangelist, but the reason many of us do not see the great impact we can have on the world, no matter what our gifts are, is because we do not take the opportunities to be intentional about having an impact on this world. We don't see the impact because we are not intentional about making an impact. We are not intentional about living, and I'll use this word here, I heard Gaspar use it in his very first sermon here. We are not intentional about living missional lives. Living missional lives. And indeed, to live a questionable life is to live a missional life. Now, don't let that word scare you. I know it's popped up on some blogs here and there as an unbiblical concept. There's, there's people in the world and in the church these days that want to scare you with phrases and words. I don't want that to be the case. So let me explain to you. Maybe we should define what missional is not so no one will be paranoid about it. Missional is not and should not be associated with the emergent church. Missional is not about being a seeker-sensitive church where all of church is simply Jesus 101. Missional is not simply about just being socially just. It involves doing things that help to alleviate the ills of society, but we must recognize that healing the ailments of our society is not our primary goal. It is not missional simply just to have a good community service program. That is not being truly missional. Missional is about being, and this is a word that will be more familiar to some of you and more comfortable for some of you, Missional is about being a missionary. It's being a missionary. Missional means to carry the mission of Jesus into every sphere of our lives, no matter what it may be. Let's review. Let's think about what the mission of Jesus was. Look at Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19. And on your connection card today, it's one of the steps I encourage us to do, to memorize Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, Luke 19 and verse 10, just in case we forget what the mission of Jesus is, Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, the Bible tells us, this is in connection to the story of Zacchaeus, you remember the story of Zacchaeus, the wee little man who was a tax collector who cheated all these people, then Jesus sees him in a tree, he, in, he invites himself home to eat with Zacchaeus, sometimes you just have to invite yourself over to other people's houses to be a blessing to them, you know. I know it's been taught that we're not supposed to invite ourselves over, but Jesus invites himself over to Zacchaeus' house, says, I'm going to your house, we're gonna have a meal together, and everyone's upset about this, and Jesus says in Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, for the Son of Man, that is Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That is our mission. Our mission is not great music, although that can help with the music. Our mission is not just being friendly, although that can help with the mission. Our mission is not a great community service program, although that can help with the mission. Our mission is and always has been the salvation of individuals in this world, period. Missional means to realize we, to be missional means to realize that we are all 
missionaries sent, and that is an important word. It's not simply bring the people here, but we are all missionaries sent into a non-Christian or a secular culture, into a, into a pseudo-Christian culture. From the book Christian Service, page 18, every follower of Jesus has a work to do as a missionary for Christ. In the family, did you know your missionaries in your family? In the neighborhood, in the town or the city where one lives. All who are concentrated, consecrated to God are channels of light. God makes them instruments of righteousness to communicate to others the light of truth. In order to live as missionaries in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our cities, in our workplaces, we must be intentional. The reason why we don't see that we can have a huge impact on this world is because we are not intentional about being missionaries in the spheres in which we operate. My wife was born in the mission field and spent the first 11 years of her life living outside of the United States. She lived for a time near the Depentos. They were also out in that same mission field area and some of the rest of you in here as well. She was born in the mission field. She didn't end up in that mission field by accident. Her parents didn't wake up one day and say, oh, we're missionaries? How on earth did we get here? They didn't wake up one day and say, why are we living on this island? What happened? How did we get here? No, they made an intentional choice to choose a location. They made an intentional cho choice to choose a way in which they would serve in that mission. For my wife's family, it was uh, in the medical field. They made an intentional choice to, to choose where they would actually have their house in the mission field. Growing up, Christina uh, says that, that, that she wanted to kind of live by the, the compound and be with the other kids, but her mom said there was too many Adventists there, and so she wanted to live out amongst the people. She said, we're missionaries, so we're going to live amongst the people. So they didn't live on the mission compound. They actually lived out in the field somewhere, so they had to drive a little bit to get to places. But they were intentional about choosing where they would live at. Foreign missionaries are intentional about becoming missionaries. They're intentional about it. Should domestic missionaries be any less intentional? You are not all evangelists, but we are all called to be missionaries, living questionable lives, lives in which people are motivated to ask us questions about why we are different. Missionaries that go overseas, think about it. They plan for it. They pray about it. They examine the territory and they make a decision based on how they're going to serve and where they are going to serve. Should we be any less intentional? Some of you that have bought a house recently or that, that have moved to an area, did you think about when you moved into a neighborhood, Lord, is this a place in which I can be a missionary? When you moved into a workplace or a job, did you, did you ask the question, Lord, is this a place in which I can be a missionary. When you wake up in the morning, you see your kids running around and they make you want to pull out your hair. Do you think about, oh, they're here for a purpose to make me a missionary? Do we think about these things? The first step to living lives as missionaries in an ever increasing secular world is by choosing to be intentional and specifically by choosing to intentionally bless others. How can we be missional? How can we be missionaries in this world? It is by making the decision today to choose to bless 
others. In fact, this week, I want us all to make this decision. This will be on your connection card later. But I want us to all make this decision together to intentionally, with forethought, choose to bless at least three people. Now, hopefully this won't be hard for you. Hopefully you're already doing this, and now you'll just be recognizing that you are doing this. And I want to encourage you to have at least one of those people that you bless not be someone that's associated with this body at all or our community of faith. Because right now, some of you might have thought, okay, who can I bless before I leave church today and get my three out of the way? I don't want that. I want you to think about someone that's not associated at all. And out of those three people, I also want you to think about a person, one person within the body of Christ in which you can bless. I know that this is one of my struggles in blessing those outside because I tend to lean with more of an evangelistic bent and have the evangelistic gifts. I tend to think more on the outside. And one of the things I sometimes lose sight of and I need to remember that, that is that to bless those inside the body of Christ is just as important to him as well. Remember Jesus said they will know what? You are my disciples if you have what? Love one to another. In fact, I think this was my son's, Dayton's uh, memory verse this week. John 13, 34, and 35. A new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So this week, intentionally make it an, a, a, a purpose of your life this week to bless one person inside of our church, one person outside of the Adventist faith community, and the third person can be whoever you want. Maybe you need to bless your spouse this week in some way. Remember, uh, Valentine's is coming up. And don't just bless on Valentine's, bless on the other days of the week as well. Now I want to give you some thoughts on what a blessing is. In one of the books I read, it stated that part of the etymology of the word is to add strength. The, the etymology of the word blessing was a word that meant to add strength to one's arm. So what does adding strength to one's arm mean? Well, well as I thought about it and as I read about it, I, I believe it means something like this. To add strength to one's arm, arm means anything that relieves a person's burdens in life. Anything that helps them breathe a little more easily in a day. Anything that lifts a spirit, uh, another spirit or, or lowers their distress in some way. These are what it means to bless someone. That in, in just a little act that, that somehow that person is, is encouraged or, or, or given a little extra strength for that day. Michael Frost states that he generally sees blessings in three different forms. Words of affirmation, acts of kindness, and gifts. Three different forms. You might remember the book by Gary Chapman. Do you guys remember The Five Love Languages? Has anyone read that book? The Five Love Languages. Hopefully those who raise your hand, we're all practicing those. My wife decided to do the, the Five Love Languages for Kids survey thing with my oldest son, Dayton. And so she told, uh, she went through it and she told him what his number one love language was. Uh, words of affirmation. And so that night when I wasn't affirming him enough, he reminded me that that was my responsibility to affirm him. So, she, so she's, uh, she's got us. Now we're on our, on our toes because of, because of this thing. Like the parrots. You tell them something, they'll repeat it, right? Just like the parrots. 
But he says words of affirmation, acts of kindness, and gifts. These are three things that, that, that often the blessings come in that we receive in our lives. Just one example and to show you how easy blessing someone can be. I'll take an experience just from uh, the surgery and the situation that our family most recently went through. One of the last things that I remember before I went under, uh, uh, before they gave me the meds to put me to sleep and, and will me out for my surgery, is Christina pulling out this little picture. Uh, if I remember correctly, it is a picture of, is this correct, Christina? It's a picture of Jesus in an operating room. Uh, and, and, and she pulls out this little picture and it was very small and it looked like it had been cut out of a magazine or something. And Christina said, I know it's funny, but, but I've been carrying this picture around and every time I think about your surgery, I get stressed about your surgery, I pull it out and I look at it and, and it reminds me that I need to trust God and that he is in control. She had that picture for a whole week and she only shared it with me like five minutes before. It would have been nice to have it the whole week as well, but, but I'm glad she got the blessing. I'm glad she got the blessing. But looking at that picture reminded that God was in control and it gave her this sense of peace when we went into the opera room. Marilyn Peterson was the one who, who gave Christina that little cutout picture and it probably took Marilyn a few minutes to do it, but it had hours of impact on Christina's life and encouraged her in that moment. A little act, a little thoughtfulness and the blessing that it brought to one's life. The littlest things Gifts, words of kindness, acts of, or gifts of service, acts of service. These are three ways in which we can bless people's lives. And when we do this, we see that God not only blesses their lives, but he begins to build up the body of Christ through these actions. Two quick stories, and then I'll sit down. When Christina and I first moved from Georgia to California to pastor, Christina was, was well with child. She was less than two months away from having our first son, Dayton. Uh, we got there, and less than two months later, we had our, our first little baby boy. And, of course, as new parents, we had no idea what to do. And, and we were like all parents before us. When we have a kid, we will not do this. We will not say this. We will not do this. We will not say this. And we did this, and we said this, and we did this, and we said this. And all of you that are parents know what I'm saying, right? And so, and so we were just trying to figure this whole thing out, and we were tired and and. I cannot believe that a kid wakes up every two hours to eat. It was just the most amazing thing I'd ever seen in my life. Well, one of the things that one of the church members decided to do, which was very nice, is they arranged some people to bring us food every single day. So every evening we, we would get all this food, and they'd bring us food for, for, for that day or for the next day, the night before actually, and then we'd eat it the next day. And we had all this food for Seven straight days, we got food. It was lined up for us, and it was so amazing. We had more food than we knew what to do with, and we had to share it with others, and we took it to our family, and, 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 and we froze some of it. It was way more than one week's worth of food. Well, I thought to myself, this is such an awesome thing that they do. And I began to ask around, and I realized something, and I realized it then, and I realized it again with this surgery, is that as a pastor we receive way more blessings than we deserve. People hear our stories, they know what's going on, and so people bring us food, they, they do things, but there's a lot of people that, that don't have that same focus, that same opportunity. And I, I learned that while our church gave a basket in Visalia to, to a, the family that had the baby, that, that not everyone got these meals. 
And so I talked to a few individuals. I talked to a few ladies. I have to admit I was gender biased on this. I figured that the ladies could probably do a better job of preparing the meals. I mean, the men could have done it. They could have asked me, and I would have brought peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or Del Taco, which I think are both really amazing foods, but not everyone seems to think so. But, but they settled on, eventually they settled on, uh, these ladies said, yeah, we could do this. And they began to call different people in the church, and they lined up a whole group of people, and, and they began to take them food. Anybody that had a baby in our church began to get food every day for a week. Then they moved it to every other day to make it spread out. And so it was for two weeks they would get this food. Now, I don't know if, it was, if there was any correlation at all. But we went from a church that was around 175 in attendance to nearly 400 in attendance in just a few short years. But listen, we went, not only that, we went from a church with a few young families to a church full of young families. And I stopped counting after a couple years, but in the first two years of us being there at that church, there were more than 30 babies born. Now, I don't know if it was just because Christine and I were setting a good example. Two, two of ours were born in the course of that time. Or if it was these meals and this, just this welcoming of these young families. The older members of the church would say, we have young people attending church we haven't seen here in years. In years. The children's pastor said, you know, Chad, I used to stand at the back and I could look out over the congregation and I knew the name of every single family that was here. She goes, now I can't keep up. I can't keep up with it anymore. One of our elders who definitely did have the gifts of an evangelist was walking one night in his neighborhood and there were some, some, some neighbors that were, he was walking with his family and there were some neighbors that were out washing their car and he stopped and he introduced himself and he noticed this lady was, was pregnant and Jeremy got an idea and he came back to the church and he said, I have this neighbor uh, that's, that's pregnant. Can we give food to this lady? And the committee who was in charge of this ministry said, ministry said, well, we've never done that before, but sure, why not? And so they began to give food to those outside of our church. If someone just said, hey, this person's having a baby, why don't we give them food? And, and they would give food to those outside our church. And we began to give food to those people. And things began to grow even more. Second story. Out of the Visalia Church, a group of eight of us took up the initiative to plant another church in another section of that city. And in preparation for launching the launching of that church, we had several events in which we invited uh, the community to come. We had a community health fair, a big, large community health fair at, um, at, a, at a local public school. And we had a cookout in the park. And at this cookout in the park, there was a big debate on should we serve meat or only vegetarian? And, and the vegetarian vote won, and so we just served vegetarian. And I thought it was so awesome because there was people coming through line getting seconds. And they said to us, man, this is, the, this is an interesting tasting meat, but I really like it. And I just smiled and nodded, you know. <laughs> what is it? It's chicken. I didn't say it was faux chicken, but, you know. Well, they didn't know it didn't hurt them, but they just enjoyed it. But we, we met all kinds of people through this. Three months later, we launched our church, and, and, and we were there at, at Thanksgiving time. We came to Thanksgiving, and one of the leaders in our church said, you know, we met a lot of great people during our activities that we did in the community that we're not seeing anymore, but how can we, even though they don't come to church, how can we still be a blessing to them? 
And we decided, we came up with the idea, someone in our group came up with the idea, well, you know, Costco uh, makes these really big pumpkin pies, and they sell them for pretty cheap. They're only $5 a piece. And we thought, you know, there's only a, a few of us that are going to church. How many is that that we have to get? And so we began to look at the numbers. We said, yeah, that's a good idea. Let's take them a Costco pumpkin pie. We'll just deliver it to the doors in person and say, we want to give you this pumpkin pie and wish you a happy Thanksgiving. And so we began to compile the names on our data sheet, and we realized that we had well over 100 names. We only had 11 of us that were going out. We went out two by twos. Of course, one group had three, but we went out two by twos uh, to deliver these pies to various people. Pastor Jason and I, Pastor Jason wasn't a pastor then. He was a small business owner. I don't know if you know this, but he's, this is his first pastorate ever. But I figure if you can plant a church, you can, you can work within an established church as well. But he was a church planter there with me in California. But Jason and I went out uh, together to deliver these pies. And, and it was after dark, and we came to this one neighborhood that was a little, a little uh, uncomfortable, we'll say. And we came to this, this townhouse, although it wasn't a townhouse like we think of maybe over in Maple Lawn, but more maybe a, a place similar more to the, to the row houses or something up in Baltimore. And we were there, and it was quite dark, and we had to walk around the corner into this dark doorway, and we knocked on the door, uh, and we rang the doorbell, and we heard this, this scuttling inside. And, and then, um, let me give you a little secret, folks. When you look through the peephole, we know you're there. All right? <laughs> it, that light goes dark, and we know you're there. And when you whisper, who's out there? Should we, should we open? We hear you right through that door. If you want to do that, step away from the door and then say what you're going to say. But we heard them whispering and we heard them talking and we waited there for a minute. And eventually the door kind of slowly opened and, 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 and Jason and I introduced ourselves. And yes, they remembered the cookout and they remembered us. And then we held out the pie to them. The big, wonderful Costco pumpkin pie. $5 Costco pumpkin pie. And we said, we just want to give you this and wish you a happy Thanksgiving. And we gave him a little card that said, we want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving from the ark. That's all we said, nothing else. There was no other, we didn't make a pitch. Can I give you a Bible study? Can I bring you to church? What? Just a blessing from the ark. You know, we delivered all those pies and, and, and our church plant began to grow. And that family that Jason and I delivered a pie to, I don't think it was the, immediately next Sabbath, but a few Sabbaths after that, they were all there in church, the entire family, the parents and their four kids. And guess what? They never left. They got a pumpkin pie, they came, and they never left. The dad who had a drinking problem at the time and the parents who were having some issues, uh, he, he overcame that. The parents both got baptized. Eventually, all four of their kids were baptized. In fact, their youngest son was just baptized about a month ago. So this is about four years ago. Their youngest son was just baptized about a month ago, or a month or two ago. And their oldest daughter is now attending one of our Adventist colleges. And it was just because someone on our team said, how can we be a blessing to those we met but that aren't here? Well, let's take them pumpkin pies. And every year we did that. One lady we went to, we went to one house uh, about two years in a row, and, or three years in a row, and the third year we delivered the pumpkin pie. She says, I was wondering if you were going to come this year. <laughs> you don't have to be an evangelist to have a huge 
evangelistic impact for the mission of Jesus Christ. It's just about being intentional. And as each church member is intentional to live a life in such a way that people say, I want to know what's different about them, we will see people's lives saved. In his book, Discover Your Mission Now, Dave Ferguson recounts a doctoral thesis entitled, Blessers Versus Converters. And the research had looked at two teams of short-term missionaries that visited Thailand. And they were given distinctly different missional strategies. One team that they referred to in the thesis as the blessers were sent to the mission or sent with the mission of blessing whoever came their way in only practical ways. They said if, you ask, if they ask you questions, you can respond. But we do not want you to say anything about anything unless they ask you questions. You're just supposed to provide the blessing. If they need help, if they need food, provide them food. If they need clothes, provide them clothes. If they need money, provide them money. If they need a, a, a arm around them, a help in some way, medical attention, provide that. But that is your mission. Focus on that. So they sent this one group of short-term missionaries. On the other hand, they had another group of missionaries that they sent short-term, and they referred to these in the thesis as the converters. And they were sent with the mission of focusing on converting people and evangelizing people immediately. They said, we want you to, to, to approach people, immediately try to get a dialogue going about God and about the Bible and have this conversation. Ferguson reports about this doctoral thesis. He says, what they discovered is this. First of all, they discovered that the blessers had a greater social impact than the converters. That's not surprising. But here what is, what is what was so surprising. They discovered that the blessers also had nearly 50 times as many conversions as the converters. In other words, the blessers were 50 times more successful in helping people find their way back to God. You may not have the gift of evangelism, but if you can be a blessing every single work through your words of affirmation, through your acts of kindness, through your gifts of service, or other gifts that you may be able to provide to individuals, you may just find yourselves being questioned by others. And then in those moments when others are questioning why you're doing what you're doing, you will have the best opportunity to say, because Jesus loves you and I do too. And in that moment of sharing Jesus, you may just find that you're doing a better job of bringing people to Jesus than the loud guy that stands on the platform sharing Jesus without any context at all. It's true. There are evangelists, folks, that are so successful in our church. Some of the evangelists I think of that are the most successful, I think of even Mark and, and Teeny Finley. Pastor Finley has told me he will not go into any territory and do evangelism until he has seen that the people are fully engaged in the community. Why does he do that? Because he knows that his success will only be as great as the impact that the people have had upon the community. You guys... Our everyday lives, us choosing to be missional, missionaries in whatever sphere we're in, is the way in which we will have the greatest impact upon our world. I want you to pull out your connection cards now, please. We've already mentioned both of these, so they won't come as any surprise. They're on the back of your card. My response today, I will memorize Luke chapter 19.10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Folks, that's the reason why our school exists. That's the reason why our church exists, to seek and to save that which was lost. And then the second one, I will begin this week to create the habit 
We don't want it to be just a one-week thing. To create the habit of blessing at least three people every week. One person asked me after first service, why did you only say three people? Why didn't you say more? Look, I give you permission to bless as many people as you want to do. Don't be too literalist on this, right? Bless as many people as you want, but I, but I want to give a target number, three people, and be intentional about it. Maybe some of you are already doing that, but think and be intentional about it. And remember, one of these people inside the community of faith, one of these people outside the community of faith, and the third person, whoever you, whomever you choose. And let us see what God will do as we choose to live missional lives and be a blessing in God's kingdom. Last week, I told you that we're gonna learn more about bells. This week, we just learned about the B, blessing. Next week, we're going to learn about the E. So I hope you'll come back as we hear, continue our, serve, our, our series entitled Questionable. Let us pray. Jesus, we thank you so much that you are such a great blessing to us. God, you've changed my life in every way. Through my wife, the blessing she is to me, through my kids, the blessing they are to me, this church family, the blessing they are to me, to strangers I meet on the street that bless me in numerous ways. Lord, I thank you for all the blessings that you give to me. May I, may we return the blessings we receive unto others. In your name we pray, amen.